That was part of our founding and guiding principles was this has to be more streamlined for clients especially. The founding principle was streamlining the ordering process, making it as easy as possible to try to get us all to work together, share all the clients that we've had in the past in service of their businesses, right? And making delivery an option, making it in keeping price-wise with the other wholesalers in the area to try to streamline things for both grower and client was really important. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 613. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. Supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S. grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to the Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you an informative conversation about Island Flower Growers, an emerging flower hub based outside of Victoria, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island in Canada. If you caught episode 611 a few weeks ago, you met Julie Remy of Florice Studio and Blooms. She's a farmer florist on Vancouver Island. We briefly discussed the Island Flower Growers as her primary outlet for selling flowers wholesale. I visited the island in early May when I interviewed Julie, and before I returned home, I stopped by the Matosin Farmers Institute, a multi-use venue where I met the cooperative member farmers. I was lucky to connect with most of the growers on an early Wednesday morning, the regular day when the farmers bring their harvest to this central hub where their flowers are sorted and organized for client deliveries or pickup. That's where I met Lorna Jackson, co-founder and president of Island Flower Growers, and Kara Scott, the market manager, among many other talented and passionate growers on Vancouver Island. I was thrilled to watch the buzzing of energy and the synergy as flower farmers compared their seasonal crops, discussed plans, and admired the collection of blooms ordered by area florists. I took some photos and shot a little video, which you'll see at the end of the replay, which you can find in the show notes for episode 613 at slowflowerspodcast.com. Here's a bit more about Island Flower Growers. 
Island Flower Growers is a producer-owned cooperative of cut flower growers on Vancouver Island and the Gulf Islands of British Columbia, Canada. The co-op helps build the strength and vitality of Vancouver Island's local flower community by operating a weekly online wholesale market which makes high-quality specialty blooms and foliage more accessible to discerning clients. They help local growers build successful and rewarding businesses around their exceptional product, and they advocate for flower farming's significant role in stewarding the region's environmental and community well-being. There's lots to learn from Lorna Jackson and Kara Scott, so let's jump right in and meet these local flower ambassadors. Well, hello, everybody. I'm so excited today to have two guests, and I met them both in person when I was in um, Victoria area on Vancouver Island, British Columbia, about uh, early May. And so um, I knew I wanted to have record a full interview. So please welcome Kara Scott. She's the market manager of Island Flower Growers and also a floral designer and owner of Hermit and Camellia. Hi, Kara. Hello. Thanks for joining me. And then I'm thrilled to introduce and welcome Lorna Jackson. And Lorna, hi, how are you? Awesome. Oh, you are awesome. I'm so glad we finally got to meet in person. We did a, a Instagram live a couple years ago, but yeah. Lorna is the um, one of the founding members and co-owners and president of Island Flower Growers. So, uh, And you have a flower farm, which I believe is called Nine Bark, correct? That's right. That's Yay. right. Yay. All right, so we're here to talk about growing flowers, local flowers on an island, which some might say means you have a finite quantity of places to grow and finite quantity of customers, but I could be completely wrong. So let's jump right in, Kara, and you can give us maybe a snapshot of island flower growers, and then we'll pull Lorna in on to, to, to anchor us in the origin story. Sure, yeah. So island flower growers um, offers... Um, unique and specialty um, high quality blooms to clients on all over Vancouver Island. Um, and we've got growers right now from Duncan South. So that includes Cobble Hill, Machosen, Colwood Souk, North Saanich, Saanich. Um, oh, I hope I didn't miss anyone. Most of our, uh, and most of our listeners and viewers are, are going to have to look at a map to follow you. Okay. So that's okay. <laughs> this is her. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think we've got about 40 clients right now, um, and that increases as wedding and event season um, gets going here on the island, which it is now. Um, we offer an online market Mondays, starts at 4 p.m. Our clients log in and shop from all of the products that our growers have grown and uploaded onto the Open Food Network. Um, and uh, then we close the shop Tuesday mornings and the growers um, get a list of all the orders for the clients and, and away they go. We meet Wednesday mornings to review the product, checking obviously for quality uh, and distributing it to the different um, orders. We double check the orders and then we send it out for delivery. And we also have some clients that come to pick up they love to see everyone's orders, to see the items in person, um, just to sort of, you know, scout and plan for upcoming events. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great community. Really happy to be a part of it. Well, that's where I came uh, to uh, just invite. I invited myself and, and you and Lorna and made it possible for me to just stop by and watch all the action early morning on a Wednesday um, when you did the sorting hub distribution and pulled orders. And, and I loved how it worked. So the farmer's deliver the product. Mm -hmm. 
we're going to jump in here because you're one of them. You deliver the product. Like at what time does that happen? Really early on Wednesday? So I leave where I am at about quarter after seven okay. to get to our sorting hub at the Luxton uh, Farmers Institute down the road from me. Others have to leave even earlier because they're a little bit further away. Kara, for example, is about an hour away. Uh, and the, the process kind of starts the day before where we lab, wrap and label all of our products. So I may have orders that are going to, this week, 10 different florists. So to make it quick and efficient when I get to Luxton, they're all labeled. Um, and then I start putting them into the buckets that we filled with clean water. There's a uh, uh, a label for each florist and area to put uh, the product into their buckets. And we're all doing that. So we're wow. busy little bees and trying to do it as efficiently, as quickly as possible. Uh, so that when Kara arrives at about 830, uh, she's able to hit the ground running and, and start doing the, the, the quality check and the order check um, in anticipation of our delivery driver who then comes at around 930. Yeah. And Vancouver Island is a big island, and it seems like most of the population is in the southern portion. Am I correct? Or like, what, what's your reach in terms of how far do these deliveries go? Well, we, I mean, we can talk about our origin story as well a little yes. bit. Because yeah. we, we've had to, so we began, let's go back a little bit. We, we started planning in 2019, um, a bunch of growers who were growing wholesale, selling wholesale in the Victor mostly in the Victoria area. Many of us had the same clients, but we hadn't met. Uh, we were kind of doing it independently and um, blindly in some cases, like myself. Uh, we got together, had a meeting, decided there had to be a better way and that we wanted to finally come together and collaborate. Uh, got a grant for a consultant from the Ministry of Agriculture to walk us through the different possibilities for what that might look like. And then long story short, I mean, it's such a long story and it goes down many different tangents. <laughs> we have time. <laughs> 2020, we had the plan in place to, we incorporated as a cooperative after looking at the other models and options. Uh, I should say that our consultant, um, Joy Emanuel is a co-op expert, so she was great to have. Um, so we incorporated January 2020. We had the plan in place. We interviewed the manager who we wanted, who was Kara. We knew we wanted her, and um, it was just a matter of seducing her into our <laughs> I remember, I was remembering this morning that, that interview meeting at one of our uh, members' farms, Cartreth Gardens, I said at the end of the meeting, you know, it might be that we're not able to hold an in-person um, mm -hmm. market because there's this disease out there. And I looked around the table and nobody really understood what I was talking about. Uh, and so sure enough, we had our venue set up, we had our systems set up, we had our manager hired, and then COVID um uh, disrupted everything for everyone. We were in lockdown and so many of our clients who we had, we'd done a little bit of a feasibility study with Joy in um, in the fall and the early uh, 2020. And so we had some idea of 
that we would be successful. You know, yeah. we had some expectation that there was a market for what we were doing. We surveyed clients, all the rest of it. So COVID disrupted all of that, especially yeah. for our clients who many of them had to close their shops or there were no events. We know what happened, right? Right, right. What so horrible our, timing. It was just, well, in a way, I mean, it was terrible timing. Yeah. And yet it allowed us to slow down sort out some issues, decide, really become even more focused on who we were, what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, figure out some of the systems that were mind-boggling, um, yeah. our, our bookkeeping, all the rest of it. So we had had a venue set up um, that we were hoping people would come and pick up and, and a la the Seattle Cooperative, yeah. do a little shop the floor. So that fell by the wayside and in fact when we were finally able to uh have in person it turned out that they were not zoned for retail so we weren't even able to do that and that, great, that original location that's right yeah it was in the middle of victoria very cost effective for the co-op no real risk to us but it fell apart hmm. so we ended up that first a season uh, sorting in school parking lots because the schools were closed. Wow. Uh, delivering, all members were delivering to our clients and it was the no contact delivery. So that's where we came from. And then um, uh, the Luxton Fairground came up last year and it's just been a real blessing uh, for us to be <laughs> able to come together, to be efficient, to have the kind of venue that you visited yeah. that has water outside, that has parking that for members and uh, growers that has a washroom all of that uh, and yeah. is cost effective because we still thanks to COVID didn't have a real clear sense of supply and demand yeah right? yeah so the place to... the place is like kind of rustic and rural but agricultural and yep. that's what farmers need uh, you know the, the covered area keeps everything protected I, you know you guys are you're scrappy we and, are. <laughs> and that's what you have to do to pull this off. Yeah. That's that's a really interesting because um, you know, I like your comment about slowing down, and I think you can't get it all perfect the first year, but that imposed um kind of calendar sort of pause, it was a positive, it sounds like. And now you're probably really confident in like your systems and uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm trying to elevate you here, Lorna. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, can we've we, worked, well, you're yeah. right. We've worked really hard, and Kara can talk about this too. Every year brings new challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, using an online platform that it's an we, we chose it, the Open Food Network, because it's open sourced, it's international. The woman who was onboarding us is a flower farmer in Ontario, so she, so she was Teresa Schumelis is familiar with the sector, you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's hard and it's mm -hmm. hard to bring so many, our founding members are uh, all different. We live in different places. We farm on different soil. We have different home environments and challenges, and we're trying to kind of fit ourselves together as a team uh, with Kara's genius help, but none of us are familiar with these systems, right? Right. Um, right. And this this piece that I keep coming back to of not knowing supply and demand, in part because of COVID, yes, but also because nobody had done small farm 
wholesale really to some to the extent that we're doing in our region yeah you had so, models from other parts of north america but right. the, you had to train florists that this was going to benefit them yeah and you can imagine uh what it was like to be a florist at that time when they were trying to manage the bottom line the fear of will my business even survive Right. Um, and so it's been a huge learning curve. Would you agree with that, Carol? <laughs> it has. It has. It's been incredible. And and you mentioned Joy um, helping the co-op uh, get established, but she's also come back at the end of each season to review with the members and employees about their experiences uh, and help sculpt a new, uh, you know, a plan for the next season, which is incredibly valuable. Wow. Um, to have just that outside influence, gathering that detailed information and presenting it back to us in a way that the membership can make decisions about the, about the future. Um, that's been vital, I'd say. Well, so Kara, you, I have a couple questions for you about um, just your involvement. You said you have about 40 floral design customers who shop at different levels and different times of the year for Island mm -hmm. flower growers. Uh, you're, you're a client yourself. So had you been a client of Lorna's or like, how did you, how did they, it sounds like you were on their wish list as who the manager was going to be, but how did you engage and get to know uh, the, the founding members? Sure. So I'm, um, I had the privilege of working with Rubina floral design, who was a premier uh, wedding and events florist at the time retired now but at the time was looking for the contemporary and interesting and unique items that small growers, you know, cultivate with their hearts and their hands um, to bring that, that vitality, that specialness to their events. And that was how I met Lorna through working with her products um, with this designer. And so uh, I remember, I was just remembering this, Lorna, I was at the Machosan Farmer's Market one weekend and my partner and Sarah and I got there and we sort of, you know, looked around, taking it all in and across the, the circle, I saw sweet peas and I don't think I said anything. I just headed straight for them and <laughs> I didn't introduce myself. I don't know who was selling them for you. I just said, are those Lorna's? <laughs> and, and she laughed and said, yes. I said, great, I'll take these. And then I think the next month I was... Um, ordering flowers from Lorna for my sister-in-law's wedding. And so continued the relationship from mm -hmm. there. Um, and I seek out Lorna's flowers as well as the other um, member growers in the co-op. And now as well, some of our guest growers, you really see them coming into their own um, because there is a vitality still, a life force to those, um, those blooms, that foliage, mm -hmm as well as uniqueness, but mm. the quality is so different to me. I, I have previous wholesale experience and, and a lot of it was handling imports. And, um, I yeah. saw the, the implications of that firsthand, you know, my skin would react, um, a lot to the chemicals that I handled. Um, I'm still, I think, navigating some of the health outcomes from that. Wow. Um, and, and just the flowers didn't, have that special thing that speaks to the cells in your body, you know, it was missing. But when I worked with the growers here on the island, I felt it. 
It, wow. it felt life force. So yeah. um, that's my hook in with these guys, really. That's affirming. And it sounds like with your customer base growing, other florists are recognizing this as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that they needed, it needed to be somewhat convenient, I would imagine. I mean, this driving around business to five different farms does not appeal to a wedding and event florist, right, Lorna? I mean, you probably had that. That's probably what happened before you started the co-op. Yeah, and that was part of our founding and guiding principles was this has to be more streamlined um, for clients especially. I just, we would all be serving a a client coming down from Nanaimo, which is about, what, Kara, two hours? Yeah, a couple of hours. And she would be coming to a lovely florist, a beautiful event in her little car, and she'd be hitting all those areas that Kara mentioned that people have now looked at their map, of course, to find. <laughs> uh, but that's another two hours for her to hit all of our places. And she would have been online with us. We would have been communicating through email all this time and mm-hmm. effort. And by the time she got to me, her car was full, and we had to really figure out how to put all this foliage <laughs> in her car. And this poor woman was exhausted and yeah. had quite a challenging drive on the way back. So that's just one example. But so for clients, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of time spent and a lot of uncertainty. And then for growers, it was any any minute you're not spending uh, fertilizing or watering or sowing or amending um, any moment you're spending on email with a designer uh, or a florist it's not spent on your farm and so you can't be producing the quality that you really want to produce so uh, the founding principle was streamlining the ordering process making it as easy as possible to try to get us all to work together share all the clients that we've had in the past in service of their businesses right and making um making delivery an option, making it uh, in keeping price-wise with the other wholesalers in the area. And we have great wholesalers, don't get us wrong, Yeah. but uh, to try to streamline things for both grower and client was really important. And that's a work in progress because, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've tried tried pre-booking system that because of this question about supply and demand, uh, not only did it really stretch Kara, I mean, she was doing some weeks double the hours she was getting paid for. Uh, who knew? We yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Um, but it was also really hard on growers because we mm-hmm. didn't know how much we needed to grow because we didn't know how many clients would be um, interested in our product and really wanting a weekly order. So it was really tricky. The pre-booking did not work for us. So would you is pre-booking the same as pre-ordering or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how does it work now? You said something about orders are placed on Mondays. Maybe, Carol, you can walk me through the week. Like, what do you ask? When do the farmers engage for the coming week um, in terms of what? Putting their availability up on the this open source platform? Yeah. So on a, a Sunday, by Sunday at one o'clock, they update a, a, just a Google spreadsheet that tells me um, what they've got coming. Uh, so the name, the quantity and the stem length. Uh, and any notes if something is, you know, perhaps they've got an allium that has a, a, a huge diameter. You know, if there's yeah. something special I need to know. Um, and then by Monday morning, I've got a price list out to them so that they can 
fully upload the information. Um, so that's stem length, um, stems per bunch, the name, an, a con, like a, an updated photo, something that is that bloom that week. Like this um, moment is what it yes. looks like. Yeah, yes, wow. Exactly. And, but they can just do that on their phone, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and then I feel like I'm missing a step in there, but, um, uh, and then Lorna goes through and is actually doing editing and making sure that we're all consistent with our entries, that we're accurate. You know, one farm has the right price as, uh, with the other farm and so on. Uh, and, uh, and then our clients, um, a shop at 4 p.m. In the meantime, wow. our communications manager, Lily, has sent out an email alerting our clients about which items we're going to have in the shop. And we indicate any of those items that we're going to have six bunches or more. So for those oh. clients that might be shopping for volume, whether that's for events or high bouquet production, you know, they're a weekly, a weekly shop kind of thing. Um, they have a sense of, okay, I can hone in on these white um, these white Orlea or these foxglove and so on, because there's high volume bunches there. That's what I'm going to need for my event or my weekly bouquets. So it's, it is pre-order, but of in that week, not like Lorna, you were talking about somebody wanting a, like a projection a month out or something. We tried that because all the other wholesalers do it. And we had three or four, this is when, you know, 2021, Kara, I think, when weddings mm. were coming back and yeah. everyone was trying to hit the ground running with their orders. And we had a few high volume wedding florists who really wanted to get their orders. They wanted to support us. Let's yeah. start with that. Yeah. They really yeah. wanted to shop with us, wanted to support us. And yet we couldn't guarantee that we would have the product that they would need. And so they needed to be ordering things from the other wholesalers who were bringing in product from California and South America and the lower mainland of British Columbia. So we tried to do a, was it two weeks in advance sheet? And Kara was doing all the back and forth with maybe three or four florists. But we found, especially with climate and because we still hadn't nailed down supply and demand as farmers, mm -hmm. We just couldn't predict what we would have. And there was a lot more work for the grower to be going out and checking. And the stress was, was yeah. with a new business, it was too much. We really wanted to provide everything we said we could. And then we would just lose it when the roses had flushed and we couldn't yeah. provide them or all mm -hmm. of that. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of tears. <laughs> too many tears. Yeah. And so we And Kara was doing double the amount of work that she was um, contracted to do. So it was a trial trying to play like the big guys play. And it just, we hope in the future that we'll have some system once we understand numbers better. Um, and what our capacities are. We were selling out at that time virtually every week and sometimes wow. within half an hour. Oh, my gosh. And we were moving a lot of product, but until we were able to sort out our supply to have enough for uh, clients to buy and to serve, you know, part of the co-op um, ethos is to be fair and yeah. to everyone's the same. All our clients get the same service. And so... Until we can do that and allow them to pre-order pre two weeks in advance, we just can't do it. So it is, you know, it's it's not the best uh, for 
a busy florist, but we've been so fortunate to have those who were along for the ride and doing mm-hmm. what they can to help us. Yeah, that's really a great example to share because it is about community and the community is not just the growers. It's the the florists who want you to succeed. So it sounds like they're in general, Kara, is it true that in general, they're pretty much going to go along with this and say, yeah, it's not, it's not what we, you know, perfect, but we're going to work with this model of ordering on, on Sunday nights or Monday. Yeah. Yeah. In speaking with, um, our clients, they've all expressed, okay, we get it. Yeah, this yeah. is what we're working with. And I know that when I'm planning for this week or this event or series of events, I'm going to set aside X amount of dollars. I know that what my color palettes are and I'm honing in on those things. So they found ways to help to make it work for them too. Um, and that's been, that is that point of community, right? Where it, something, a, a system or systems can be in service to the client's in service to the membership and in service to the employees and in service to the co-op itself, because if the co-op is healthy, that means the membership is healthy and then the clients, you know, and so on. I got it. Yeah. And also you're talking about an aesthetic, which sounds like is palette driven, seasonally driven and what's best that week. And everybody should be happy. You know, you don't have to have some particular, unique cultivar that you saw on a Pinterest board, you can, you can be flexible. I mean, in most cases. Yes. Yeah. We hope. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a great attitude that the florists have. And we are very fortunate here. There are, there are people passionate about growing um, and, and a number of different um, floral designers or florists, whichever term they prefer that some have shops, some are home-based um, farmer florists as well that are shopping from us. It's a great range of clients and growers. We're really yeah. lucky. Well, um, you talked about being a founding member, Lorna. How many founding members are there? And then can you talk about the guest grower? Like, uh, mm. What's the population of people participating um, in growing and selling? So when Joyce first started um, consulting for us, when we were looking at these different models, she visited all the farms of those who thought they would be founding members and assessed whether it was a good fit for each of them. Uh, we lost one because they already had uh, on Salt Spring, they already had a great sales channel in place that uh, it would have added to their burden to actually join a co-op in Victoria. So that was smart. So that left us with four founding members who did the incorporation and came up with the rules of association and did all of the things that you have to do to be a sure. cooperative. And then your friend Julie Remy came on board, um, and we started the season with I, I think five. Okay, twenty twenty. We try. We have uh, lost a couple. We've tried a couple, and they've found that the the journey down island didn't work. We had thought we had assumed that everybody would want to come down and be with us, and uh, yeah. it just isn't always a great fit for their life situations or their sure. whatever. It's yeah. so. Um, and so we've taken on a couple more members, although Joy, our consultant, was very helpful in that, just cautioning us about going too big too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get yourself with, a, a you know, members um, pay a share price to be a member, a co-owner, and it can get tricky when that's your investment and these people decide that it's not a good fit and you have to repay that investment to them. Yeah, yeah. You can, with a with the small margins when the co-op is being run on commissions, um, that can get you into trouble. 
Who yeah. knew that? We didn't. Yeah. Thank goodness Joy did. So she's been cautious mm-hmm. about keeping us gradual and small. Yeah. And so because as I mentioned, this problem of not having enough product uh, from our members, we brought on, and I think we got this idea from the Seattle Co-op. They didn't call them guest growers. Um, they call them um, co- provisional, I think. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So we we tried to play with the language a little bit there. I like guests. That sounds yeah. very friendly. <laughs> well, we try to make them feel special because they really are. They mm. they really are. Um, and yet, you know, we've tried many of those people as well. And once again, um, children life circumstances, not having enough products. Sometimes the product doesn't meet our standards because they haven't been in wholesale long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also intimidating to be mm-hmm. um, yeah. not, uh, they're not right to be intimidated, but they are uh, yeah. thinking that we've been at it for so long. We know everything, but really we don't. Yeah. Uh, and we learn each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this season we've brought on, we, we tried a different system with um, recruiting and integrating guest growers into our system. Uh, and so far, we're super happy with who we have on board. We've been really careful to make sure they're a good fit, both yeah. um, with their growing, what they're growing, how they're growing it, and also um how they would fit with our ragtag group of uh, weirdos that meet on <laughs> Wednesday morning. Um, but th- that is the place where all of us as members learn. And Kara helps us with that, uh, looking at each other's quality, um, comparing our growing to each other's. Uh, we all grow in different circumstances. We have a lot to learn. Um, and having Kara help us with standards and um, stem length and quality and what the industry standard is, what our clients expect. We had no idea because we were all so isolated. Yeah. We knew of each other, but we weren't in touch. And then also pricing, just yeah. having the help of, as a grower, not having to even think about pricing because Kara is looking after that for us. Kara, so how guest, grower, guest growers, I hope, are learning from that. Yeah. Now, oh, one follow-up question before I go on to Kara. Is it an, a, the intent that it, over time a guest grower could become a member or does it, yes. is it, okay, so it's an option. Yeah, in the past we've been a little too quick mm. with that. Quick yeah. for them, quick for us. We need a longer sort of uh, on-ramp uh, yeah. to assess whether they, uh, can handle the pressure um, and yep. whether we're a good fit for each it's, other. Right? It's a business. It's not a social club. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was on the board of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market for two what? years. So um, as I don't know if they're doing it currently, but at the time, about six or seven years ago, they had a, a two board positions for non-growers. Like usually it was a florist. They were usually florists. But anyway, I, mean, I, learned, a, I learned a lot and I have a huge appreciation for yeah. how to run a co-op. Well, the co-op does have one position similar, and that's clearly where I got that idea. We have a florist uh, on our as oh, an advisor on our good. board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pricing thing is interesting. I would love to have a little bit of comment on that, Kara. And then something I learned when I did have Julie Remy of Floris uh, Studio and Blooms on the podcast a few weeks ago is she made some comment that um, she was bunching everything in five stem bunches because that allowed um, – people with smaller businesses to afford a variety. I don't know if that's exactly why, but maybe you could talk a little bit about that. I thought that was a really interesting, um, you know, I, I needed some roses the other day at the growers market and there was a 24 stem bunch. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't use all these. Yeah. I, 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 this is wasteful. But 
I liked that idea and I just would like to hear more about that. Yeah, that's a great example, the example that you give, Deborah, because um, we do have some of those, uh, you know, independent floral designers working from their homes. A lot of them have jobs. They're in love with flowers and they're exploring that passion. And and to have a 24-stem bunch means they can't try that and experience that. Whereas if we aim to keep the bunches around five, and of course there are exceptions to that, sweet peas, for example, they're 10. Um, the little guys, the grasses, we, we bunch those up. But um, it really does allow the designer to play, to try a mix of focal and texture and foliage and accompaniment and just to have some fun. Um, and I've seen the benefit in their designs from that opportunity. So we do we do aim to keep the five. And, and I know you know, it would be easier and faster for the growers, for sure, I acknowledge, just to do a 10 or um, a 20 or a 24 bunch. But um, it, it needs to be in service to both. So we, yeah. we walk that line with yeah. it. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Yeah. And in terms of the pricing, yeah. um, that is one of those great big challenges for me every week. I you know, I, I can I follow Seattle flower growers and, and uh, look to their lead quite a bit. Um as well, we have other conventional wholesalers on the island, and we have the flower auction in Burnaby. So those are all considerations yeah. in pricing. You have uh, all these inputs coming in from different scales and 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 conventional and and sustainable practices too. We do, and and of course the information from the growers themselves about what they are putting, what is their costing when they when they um, review their crops and so on. So trying to factor all of that in and um, make sure it's accessible to our clients as well is it's the one part of my job that probably hurts a bit my <laughs> brain and my heart and you know I'm I you know, I'm thinking to some of the product that I was working with this week like Lorna's um, yellow beach stock is incredible in height scent form it's it's great. It's perfect. Um, I love a higher price on that, but I've got to keep it accessible. To, you know, I want her to be rewarded or the very unique things that these growers go to great lengths to source, um, to have that special something that elevates a client's design. I want to reward them for that. And then yeah. sometimes just the market factors limit that. So yeah. it's a challenge. Um, but I, the feedback that I get um, from our growers is, Thank you, because it is such a burden for them, you know, standing in their field, harvesting 10 stems of something for a client, and they're asking how much it is, you, you know, just to remove all of that yeah. uh, extra brain space, it's, it's taking up. You yeah, know, you're, their you're their agent, you're the, you're, you're brokering all of this so they don't yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah. That's really helpful. Um before we wrap up, I could go on and on, but I just want to be mindful of the time. I do have a little, I think I shot a little video when I was visiting you. I will add that at the end. And um, also I'll share all the goodies that you sent me, but that's kind of what I want to end with. Lorna and Kara, the the non-flower events that you do, the workshops and the sales that are open to the public. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you've you know, how many have you had and why you've added those and what's the response been from the general public is I'm just fascinated that you're doing some fun events in that way. Well, it, it's, there's a lot of reasons to be doing them. Uh, primarily 
education is part of what a co-op has to do. And so helping our communities, our florists, uh, the general public understand the benefits of sustainable flowers, getting our opening the conversations and having opportunities to do that. Uh, But also as a co-op, we work so hard (laughs) and come together only once a week, you know, during the season, it just flies by. And in order for us to understand one another and appreciate each other, apart from the work we're doing together is super important to me. I think we need uh, social events that have a Uh, a theme if you want so we did a a thrips workshop with someone from the ministry of agriculture out here on my roses after the season had ended and not only did it bring us together learning together Kara was there as well um it made us it built the connection with the ministry as well carmichael who was fantastic she came to our Plant our first annual dahlia and plant sale, which was a couple of weeks ago. She showed up uh, in the spirit of support and checking mm-hmm. in on us. So that connection was made and she would send us links to possible grants and so on and visited our farms. And this is and someone what, from the Ministry of Agriculture, did you say? Yeah. For, yeah. The, pro- for the province? or the- yeah, That's right. Okay. The BC Ministry of Agriculture. Okay. Wow. That's, that, that, you're like, you know the dream organization that they want to yeah. affiliate with. Yeah. Well, she, she also liked that we were starting to do enterprise budgets and trying to be agricultural workers, you know, rather mm-hmm. than just uh, flower growers. And so last year in the spirit of community and coming together, we asked uh, a local lino cut artist to meet in Julie's beautiful studio that you visited. And we got together, Kara was there as well and did a lino cut workshop together with another florist, um, which it was purposeful. We were making designs that we could then use in our businesses, but it was just pleasant, you know, mm-hmm. um, pleasant. And so the educate COVID made it difficult for all of those events to happen in person. So we've done our best to do things online, a little bit of grant money here and there to do a, we did a, um, what was that? We did a round table with Kara and one of our mm-hmm. Natalia Solis of uh, Apothecary Blooms did a round table discussion on selling wholesale, grading wholesale. And we invited every grower that we could think of in the area just to um, log on and be wow. part of that conversation. So we're constantly trying to reach out to the even smaller growers to maybe not maybe they don't think they're growing enough to be part of the co-op, but we want them in our community and we want them to feel that we, we understand what, who they are, what they're doing and that we can help in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it benefits everyone because you're sharing best practices. So That's then it. that reaches the customer who yes. then understands the value of local flowers, right? Yeah. Yes. Do you have people, Kara, asking if they can like members of the public, if they can come shop, or are you trying to like, cut that off and not open that door. Yeah, we certainly have had a little bit of that. Um, and uh, I think Lorna is exploring some options here um, with the membership for um, kind of similar to Seattle in that late in the week, once the floors have had their opportunity to shop, then there's another opportunity um, and a virtual opportunity for mm. shopping as well. So, um, so just experimenting with that right now because there is the demand. And at that plant, uh, daily and plant sale, um, I, I was so delighted to 
not just the folks that were growers in the community there to support, but some of our clients and some of our clients' clients showing up, wanting to meet the people that were growing the product. You know, like that's our dream is to get all this that ripple effect out. Yeah. yeah, to help educate everyone. So that was a real delight. Yeah, hopefully some more um, opportunities like that will come about. I think that Dahlia sale, Dahlia and Plant sale was right after I saw you. Because Lorna, we had just a brief conversation about your... Um, you're thinking about why are you selling potted dahlias and is that something you want to share about? I thought that was really fascinating. Sure. Well, I mean, there's been a a burgeoning of uh, flower farmers selling dahlia tubers. And with that has come the sense that um, we may be getting ourselves into a little bit of trouble with viruses and um, gall and, and there's this anxiety, I think, among growers and uh, backyard growers that they may be importing or using uh, infected tubers. Uh, and there have been some great uh, uh, resources about that and okay. education about that. So we just thought we didn't want to compete with people who had already set up tuber sales as part of their business model. or um, But we felt that we could offer potted plants that were in leaf so that they were guaranteed to grow. And they rooted, they produced a stem. <laughs> yeah, And the stem looks good, uh-huh. right? There's no gall, there's no leafy gall, there's no crown gall. And so we just wanted to try that as a way, again, of educating. We had actually a poster up to identify the difference between crown gall and leafy gall. Wow. Just, again, the mandate of education and helping people to understand how to grow better, all people, and how to appreciate the beauty of flowers. Uh, was that that was the intention there as well and uh, yeah that's and so how was it did you did you have uh, did you sell out or did you uh, think we'll do this again um, or is it still jury still out on that uh, the dust is still still settling <laughs> we were very happy and Good. we were very happy with uh, who we got to talk to how how our sales went they were great. We still have some left, but uh, I had done a ridiculous amount of dividing in the fall. <laughs> I had a good daily season, and for some reason, I just went nuts. I love it. And divided everything and stored everything, and my storing went well, which isn't always the case. So some of us had a lot to share, um, and it was just great. That's great. I mean, it was a lot of work, but it yeah. also brought us out to a farm, Hidden Track Farm, Erica's mm-hmm. farm, out in North Saanich which is just down the road from another member's farm, uh, most of us hadn't been out there to visit with them. So it again, it was building solidarity yeah. within the co-op community, um, sharing the burden of hosting events um, and just making us stronger as a group as we understand each other's lives in person rather than just at the market right thinking oh my mint doesn't look anything like julie's mint what a failure i am right yeah Um, (laughs) so it's just really important i think for people who are doing co-op work and collaborative selling models that they, they look for these opportunities that even if ours was successful but if they're not you're still eating together chatting together laughing together learning together Yeah, I love it. That's such a good point. Mm-hmm. You sent some resources uh, to me. Uh, can I share those in the show notes? Um, the yeah, Rose yeah. handout. So, can you talk about that briefly? So again, it's we've been 
trying to work on this education piece and none of us, I'm an, I was an educator, but the rest of us haven't been, but just trying to figure out how to support all growers in our area, especially our guest growers. So mm-hmm. there was a big push, for example, on growing better roses. In our initial uh, outreach to florists, there were concerns uh, in 2019 about the quality of uh, small farmers. They were supporting small farmers, but occasionally they were worried about the garden rows, for example, right. because they were <laughs> familiar with uh, greenhouse-grown roses. Um, ours were different. Uh, they offer something more beautiful sometimes and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. But We know all was, the reasons, yeah. But they, yeah. they are shorter-lived. Is that they what are shorter-lived, yeah. but we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could as growers uh, to have the best product. It's a big investment, as you know, to plant roses. So we came up, three of us uh, who had some experience growing roses, put a rose document together, how to grow roses where we are, because there was no other resources. Wow. How do you grow roses in Victoria or, wow. or Saanich? So it's not, we wanted it to look great, uh, the content is under, we'll revise it every year because we learn something every year. We do a lot of integrated pest management to um, battle thrips and, and aphids and so on. So we wanted that to be a, again, we were testing it. We were, it was an experiment. How good can we get at these kind of documents and share them yeah. uh, with other growers? Well, I, I read through it and I thought that, wow, this is in, invaluable. And um if, if you're okay with it, I'll share it in our show notes yeah, yeah. when we post this at slowflowerspodcast.com. You also had a uh, a tutorial, I guess, on flower photography, which I thought was yeah, really useful. Yeah, because what we found with the Open Food Network platform, and this has been ongoing um, improvement every year as well, we wanted the photos to invite um, clients to buy. And we didn't, especially with newer growers, we didn't want their photo to be a hindrance to that purchase. Mm-hmm. And we wanted an aesthetic look. It's not like a website or, so we wanted to do our best with making it beautiful, making uh, the photos uh, give as much information to the client as possible. Sure. Yeah. What a bunch looks like, what the color is. And so uh, a couple of members were pretty good photographers and had some, help to share so we put that together and this year end of last year the photos look great I think Mm -hmm. Uh, there's been an effort to improve and it's also we wanted to demystify (laughs) how hard it is to take a good photo of flowers it's not that hard and so we were helping that way and it's wouldn't you agree Kara that the quality has improved over the last two years like crazy yes it's been fantastic as a client I am now confident every time I click on a photo in that shop that it's going to tell me what I need. Uh, I haven't been led astray once. So that's a real relief as a client too. Kara, that's a good point because you're the one who hears from it with, with a florist. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're um, able to know that this, this, what, what you see is what you get with these photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, so important for them. Um, it is a fast paced shop when they're shopping. So, 
we that continuity that Lorna was speaking about in the photos is carried through in the information that we're posting. Um, we're playing with grouping, for example, these last couple of weeks, grouping ranunculus by color so that visually in the shot, your orange tones are together, your yellows, your pinks, your deep tones, and so on. It really just helps visually as a yeah. as a client to go. You're okay. merchandising. It's just online right. instead of in person, right? Precisely. Yeah. Wow. Wow, this has been so much fun. I adore both of you. I love what you're doing at Island Flower Growers. I'm so grateful you're members of Slow Flowers, and we want to do what we can to support you and get the word out. So before we wrap up, what did I not ask you that you want to make sure we share? Um, this is going out on YouTube, but we're also going to have the audio in the podcast with all of our show notes and all those links I discussed. Well, we want to thank you as well. Um, it was a very uh, exciting day when you came to our market. It was fun. Uh, uh, that was fun. Superstar <laughs> on site. Yeah, it was really fun. Hair and makeup. I, I think you got all the pertinent things. My advice, I guess, would be to use a consultant. Get a good bookkeeper early on. Mm. Uh, members, don't try to do it yourself. If there's someone you can hire who knows how to do it, any moment that you're spending doing an Instagram post for the co-op, means you're not out there looking at thrips on your roses and trying to figure out how to get rid of them. Such good advice. You can't do it all. You really need, you need the community. How about you, Kara? Oh, I don't think there's anything I would (laughs) add at all. This has been such a treat. Thank you, Deborah. Oh, I've I've loved it. And um, for anybody who uh, is heading to Victoria, be sure to check out the website of Island Flower Growers. You might just learn a little bit about what's growing in season. And, uh, you know, we probably have people coming to to do destination weddings from off island. And they they might be able to shop from you too, right? They Mm -hmm. can, yeah. yeah. Great. Okay, thank you both so much. This has been really fun. Thank you. joining me today. I found it so inspiring to learn how this regional flower hub is changing the way florists and their consumers engage with sustainably grown seasonal flowers on Vancouver Island. As I mentioned earlier, you can watch the replay video of today's conversation at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 613. There I'll also share some important island flower growers resources that Lorna and Kara have provided, including a guide to island-grown roses and a tutorial on photographing flowers for online posting. What fabulous floral resources. Our next thank you goes to Details Flowers Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. You can grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with their all-in-one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. You can learn more at 
detailsflowers.com. And speaking of details, they are a return sponsor of the Slow Flower Summit this year, and they've been running a giveaway promotion for a full registration to the summit, which has got a great value. It's like $850 value. The drawing just took place, and we learned that Polly Hutchison of Robin Hollow Farm, a longtime Slow Flowers member and past guest of this podcast, her name was drawn as the winner. So thank you, Details, and congratulations to Polly. We're so excited to welcome you to your first summit. And if you've been thinking of joining us in Seattle at the Slow Flowers Summit on June 26th and 27th, coming right up, I encourage you to jump on our very last ticket promotion. Starting this week through Sunday, June 11th, you can take 10% off any ticket level with the code LET'S DO THIS. All caps, let's do this. And you can find that in our show notes. So don't don't worry if you forget about it. Remember, Slow Flowers members, you already enjoy $100 off as a member benefit. So there's a little more to save with this promotion. And this Friday, June 9th, you're invited to join me in the Zoom room at our final Slow Flowers member meetup before our summer break. Our very special guest is Julio Fritas of The Flower Hat. He's one of our keynote speakers at the upcoming summit, and I've invited Julio to give us a sneak peek preview to his presentation as we talk flower farming for luxury weddings, floral design, growing dahlias, and so much more. The meetup takes place at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, this Friday, June 9th. Pre-registration is required, and you can find that link in our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 613, or check the link in our Instagram profile at Society. Hope to see you there. Thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh-cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at cafgs.org. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 1 million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Next week.